Very good. Good boys. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. Coming down. Welcome to another interview special here on 32 Thoughts, the podcast presented by the all new GMC 84 lineup. And Elliot today, uh, someone we've wanted to talk to for a while. He's been on the podcast before, but not in a head coach capacity. He's Martin St. Louis, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And I believe you made the point right away when he was hired, when there was that cloud of doubt, cloud of, well, how come he's behind the bench for the Montreal Canadiens? There's no experience here. You know, one of the things that you pointed out and we talked about extensively was this is kind of a scenario he's faced his entire life, certainly as a player and now as a head coach. Marty St. Louis on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Your thoughts? I just believe in you put smart people there and you put smart people around them. Like if you have someone that you believe in and somebody that you feel can do a job, then put them in a position to do the job. Just make sure that if you see a weakness, oh, they don't have experience at this or they can't do that, he's surrounded by people who can alleviate that. I think if someone is intelligent, then they will grow into the role. And the thing about where the Canadians were this week, when he took over, they had eight wins, Jeff. I mean, how much worse can it get? Yeah. If you really think that Martin Saint-Louis can make the team better, that is the perfect time to install him and say, let's see if this works. If it doesn't work, it's no harm, no foul. Everybody goes back to their corners and you go find another coach. But as we're seeing right now, uh, this has a chance to really work. You know, one of the things that I always try to pay attention to when we see players transition to become coaches is their reactions in big moments, big moments of the game. And there's a very specific and usually emotional reaction that a player will have. And that's not necessarily what you want your coach to have. You want your coach to have a coach reaction, a little bit more measured. Sure, there's some times where you want them to be a little bit more emotional, but generally you want them to coach. And the one thing, Elliot, that impresses me about San Luis is when I watch him coach the Montreal Canadiens, like he was a very passionate player. He was an aggressive player, hard on the sleeve, all of it. I don't see him reacting as a player behind the bench. This is the, one of the more remarkable things already. This is his first shot at it in the NHL. He reacts like an NH, like a seasoned NHL coach. I am blown away by that, Elliot. I don't know if I like that as much, I have to tell you. I know, I know what you're saying because the players have to take their emotional cues from the coach. If the coach panics, the player panics. If the coach becomes discombobulated, the team becomes discombobulated. Uh, and I bet you he, I bet you he'll never lose the passion because that's just who he is and the way he's wired. But sometimes I think players really do like it when the coach reacts the same way that they do in terms of success. But what I think it says to me is that he's got a big picture mm -hmm. and one win in March in a season where the Canadians are going to have a very high lottery pick is not what he wants. But if this team goes where you all hope it will go, if you're a Canadians fan, you know that he'll be celebrating just as big as they are in those big moments. Uh, we recorded this interview one day before the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and here he is, Martin St. Louis, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. 
Good day, everyone. Thanks for being with us uh, today. Welcome to this Montreal Canadiens press conference. We're here to introduce the interim head coach, Martin Saint-Louis. Martin is accompanied by the Canadian Executive Vice President of Hockey Operation, Jeff Gordon, and General Manager, Kent Hughes. I will now pass it on to Kent, Jeff, and Martin for a short word of welcome, and we'll take the questions from the media after. Kent? Bienvenue à tout le monde. Welcome, everybody. Very excited to introduce to everybody today our new interim coach, Martin Saint-Louis. We are very pleased to be joined by Martin Saint-Louis, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, who joins us now um, in advance of a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. At the beginning of the year, and first of all, thanks so much for doing this once again. It's the second time on the podcast. At the beginning of the year, did you think you'd be sitting here in a hotel room saying, tomorrow I'm coaching the Montreal Canadiens against the Columbus Blue Jackets? No, not at all. <laughs> no, I, I, I probably would believe that I'd be sitting in a hotel room coaching somewhere, but definitely not uh, in the NHL. Has it kind of felt like a whirlwind? Like, have you had any time to even sit down and, and process what your season's been like? I haven't had much time to do that, to be honest. Uh, you know, the I believe, like, and I said this before, is like the most important thing in this league is the next day. Like, even if it's a day off, right? Like, for the players, it's a day off. But for the coaches, yeah, I mean, uh, once you have things, like, probably in place and rolling and comfortable, like, you can probably kind of, you know, take some time for yourself. But right now, this last couple of months, I can't say that I was able to sit back and and reflect on these two months. I've just been, I feel, in the trenches and just trying to coach this team till the end of the year and, and uh, you know, implement as many things as I can and, and, and work with the guys. So... But it's a place that I'm comfortable with in terms of, you know, heavy workload. I, I enjoy the work, especially when you see some growth. And uh, But uh, I'm sure this summer I'll, I'll look back on this, how everything went pretty fast and how I got thrown in the fire right away. And, and I'll, I'll have a chance to reflect. It's just not been the last two months. Well, I, there's a lot of questions that come out of that answer, which is a really good and interesting answer. So I'll start with this one. What's the number one thing you've learned that a coach has to do that you never guessed would be so important? I don't know. I mean, I there's just so many little things that I knew that were part of it. Like, I'm not surprised when they when they're brought to my attention, like every day you have practice, but you're trying to plan practice, but you got to talk to your staff first because there's, you know, there's maybe three, four guys that are 50, 50, you're going to practice or not. You know, that might change what you want to do, accomplish that day. Not that you completely, you know, have a new plan, but you know, when practice starts, you got to be ready as a coach. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, but as at the youth level, I always, at practice plan, I never went and winged it. Mm -hmm. You know, I took it very seriously what we're going to attack today and, and, and be purpose driven. Don't just go out there to get a sweat. You know, I mean, I think the morning skates are a little bit for that, but I think the, the amount, the very few amount of practice days we have based on the condensed schedule, you know, you want to maximize your time with your players and knowing who's going to be able to participate in practice or not. Uh, it definitely helps guide what how you're going to construct or structure the practice, so to speak. But uh, you know, there's there's the the iPad before every game that you have to you know put your lineup. We, you know, we used to 
They used to write it in the piece of paper and circle the starters. Now it's on an iPad and you have to press the numbers. I always feel I'm going to mess up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be so stressed pressing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, actually, because you know what? It's funny. You're not the first coach to tell me that. They hate that they don't get to write the lineups anymore. They don't like that either. It's hilarious. Like, uh, you're not the first guy who's ever told me they hate the new setup. That's great. In the first game, I think, like, we had pressed the right buttons and they announced it wrong. You know? <laughs> that was my first game. Like, what? What's going on? So my assistant coach, I think it was Luke. He said, Marty, they, they announced the, our defense wrong, so I had to pull the ref over, had him check. Like, <laughs> so ever since then, I've been, you know, it was a tough start with the iPads. So I've been so stressed every time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just want you also mentioned just what a whirlwind. Martin, can you take us through it? So you've had teams talk to you about it before. The Rangers talked to you once about maybe going to Hartford. Why now and how did this come about? Who called you and how long did you really need to think about it? Yeah, well, I've had a long relationship with Kent. I know I had somewhat of a working relationship with Jeff Gordon, Mm -hmm. but uh, Kent and I go way back. You know, he grew up in Montreal. He's about five years older than me, but he used to be my camp counselor when I was like 15 years old at a hockey school. He was at Middlebury then. And uh, obviously, I went on to play at Vermont, so I have some connections then. I'm familiar. We know we know some of the same people and stuff. But, you know, him being an agent for Vinny, so I got to see him again then and in, in the last seven years coaching against him, our kids playing together. We spent a lot of time and talk a lot of hockey together. And, you know, I got the call. And, and, and I've told my wife before, like, when I retired, like, you know, she knew. She knew I mean, even when I was playing, I she knew I was going to go into coaching eventually, you know, but I felt my kids, when I retired, there was seven, 10 and 12. I had, a, I felt I had a, a great window there to be part of the life um, every day, you know, at three boys, they all played hockey. I felt I could, you know, build a nice foundation for them, you know, on and off the ice and um, have an impact on, on their life, so to speak with a day-to-day operation. But uh, I've told her before, like, you know, the only way I'll leave, you know, this, before my kids are out of the house, meaning all three boys, and my oldest is 14, and my youngest is 14 now, mm-hmm. I said it would have to be a head coaching job in the NHL. And I said, don't worry, it'll never happen. <laughs> but, you know, when Gortz got the job, and I know the relationship that Kent has with Gortz, I just felt this could be a domino effect. And uh, I start, you know, really thinking about it, that it could happen, you know. And uh, I felt that, you know, having been home for seven years, uh, I felt my, my f- kids were in a really good place in terms of their, their growth as teenagers, whatever. And also I felt they were in a good place, you know, with their hockey team and, you know, what I would have been able to instill and, in, you know, what I feel how to play the game and the values of, you know, both on and off the ice. I felt they were in a good place where I felt I had enough time with them where, you know, you can't get that time back at that age. You know, they're going to get molded a certain way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt I had enough of an impact at that point in time that I felt I felt pretty confident that it was, you know, I couldn't pass up this opportunity, obviously, with the blessing of my wife, allowing me to do that again and, you know, chase another dream. So, you know, when the call came, it was it was an easy decision, to be honest. Like, I, I grew up a Habs fan. You know, my dad is, has, knows all the 
the old Canadians teams and all every year they won the cup, he knows exactly what year, who scored the win. You know, like this, and it's been a big part of our life, the Montreal Canadiens growing up. Me in the NHL was not so much, but, you know, until I got to the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens were a very uh, high topic of discussion in my in my house. So um, I think there's opportunities in life that you just can't pass. But uh, saying that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not because an opportunity arises that you're going to be ready for it and you got to be careful what you wish for. But uh, I felt that I was ready. I felt I, I'd been preparing for this, you know. I know I was coaching youth, but... To me, hockey is hockey, and I've been watching a lot of hockey, and I think I've, I've I have had uh, plenty of opportunity to kind of like, what am I going to do when when I get an opportunity? So, I've been building some, you know, writing stuff down, and it's not like I went there blind. Like I felt like I, I'm not saying blind in terms of the Canadians, just in general, where the league's at. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the good teams that play, how they play, and you know the tendencies and all that, and. I've always been a a hockey nerd, so to speak. So I do watch a lot of hockey. Uh, I've had the time to help develop young kids, but I still think the kids I'm coaching, they're young. So it's very similar, Mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, can you do things more uh, complex here? Absolutely, you know, because you're dealing with the best players in the world. But the concepts are very similar to what I was teaching the kids. You know, one of the things that we've uh, that we talked about, I think a lot of people talked about when you were hired was this is a very Martin Saint Louis esque story. You knew you were ready. You knew you could do it. Yet all around you, people doubted. Yet through all of it, you knew that you had it in you. This was what it was like when you were playing uh, in St. John uh, with the Flames. And this is what it was like as you transitioned into the NHL as a head coach. Did you find that? Although it was different positions, you kind of went through the same thing entering the NHL as a coach as you did when you were a player. Well, it just seems like everything has been much easier since I left the NHL. You know, <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> it was heartbreaking, breaking the door to get in. But ever since I left, it's like everything has come much easier. Obviously, the the Hall of Fame induction and and now getting an NHL job without having to have the experience so to speak as a head coach or coach in the league uh but uh no i mean i guess you're right like uh it was definitely easier as a coach to get in the league than than as a player but uh like i told my team before when i started when i met with them like because obviously it was kind of if anybody doesn't know me personally just a hockey player they might have been like you know what is that move, you know, what is that decision and whatnot. But I told my players that there is no way if I didn't think I was ready for this, that I would expose myself, me, one, two, do that to the Montreal Canadian and three, my family, to be honest, hmm. you know, because it's a big responsibility to be the head coach of the Montreal Canadian. So why would I say yes to an opportunity if I don't think I'm ready for it? Because there's a lot that comes with it. So, but I felt that I was. Martin, you know, one of the stories I always remember covering with you was when you scored in game six in Calgary, you talked about how it was meaningful to you because it was against an organization that you felt didn't see you at full value. Two for four on the power play for the Lightning, 0 for three, Calgary. 
St. Louis puts the hit on. Leopold in the corner got it out of there. Moved it up the wall. Tullamore went down. Taylor the shot. Redirected. Score! Game seven! Martin St. Louis! We are going back to Tampa Bay! 33 seconds into the double overtime! His first shot of the game. Gets the rebound. Put it up top. And listening to you talk about, you know, taking the job without experience and things like that, I wonder, did you feel in the aftermath of saying, I'm going to be the coach of the Canadians and some of the reaction, did you feel disrespected at all? No, because I understand, like, you know, and I laughed at it, you know, because, yeah, I was a, I was a Bantam coach this year. I was coaching Bantam and coaching prep, you know. So I get it. You know, but I, you know, I don't think people really understand what I've been doing my last seven years. Like nobody sees what I what, what I'm doing on weekends. Nobody see what I'm doing on Monday, Tuesday, setting practices. I mean, I was running. At one point, I was running six, seven practices a week, back to back, and building plans and and coaching two, three teams, and not just coaching teams, like coaching individuals and help because every kid has different flaws or things they need. So, you know, in terms of development piece, which I think with young players in the NHL, like you need to have a development angle with them. And uh, I understand that, that they were skeptical and it makes me laugh, but I, I respect it. You know, now that I'm a coach, I'm not going to be judged what I was as a player. You know, I'm going to get coaches. How do I coach? How do I show some growth with my team? Can I win? You know, all that time will tell, you know, I've never been a, a guy that, has had all the answers, but the one thing that I'm that I'm comfortable and confident with is is I usually find them. It might not be immediate immediately, but mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to put the work to find the answers. And to me, the answers are everywhere. You just got to find them. Hmm. I want to ask you about your team and one thing specific about how you coach them and what you tell them. You know, last time you were on the podcast, I believe I mentioned one of my favorite post-game interviews I ever saw was you. And it was during the playoffs. I'm pretty sure it was a series against the Ottawa Senators. And you had been, you know, cross-checked and slashed. And you're doing the scrum. And, you know, you're, you're there's still a cut that's opened on your nose. And your cheek is bruised. And it's playoff hockey. And one of the reporters said something about, did you think that should have been a penalty? And you, and you shut it down right away. And he said, you know, Marty, you said, no, this is playoff hockey. I have to expect that. We all battle hard. I'm not going to complain about getting hit in the face. And it was just like really refreshing thing to hear. I think, what do you talk to your team or how do you talk to your team about not complaining about things that happen out there or not lobbying for penalties or not, you know, whining or anything like that? Cause you were, yeah. you were never a complainer that complained. You never whined. Do you talk to your team like that or about that? I haven't quite done that yet. You know, it's funny because <laughs> as a youth coach, I've never yelled at one ref before <laughs> because because we actually we actually needed the ref. There's a huge ref ring shortage all across yes. North America, you know, and, and I don't envy these kids. You have parents who 90% of them know not much about the game, but they yell at everything if it doesn't go their way, you know, and these poor refs get yelled at all the time. So you get to the NHL and I don't know, it's just back in the fire and it's like, yeah, I've already, you know, voiced my opinion with some of the refs. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to be careful. But, uh, uh, you know, I've never seen a, a, a ref change his decision. So, 
I keep that in mind. But sometime in the heat of the battle, and you know, you want good things for your team, you get carried away, and uh, I think it's part of the, the emotions of the game. That's why I love the game so much. But uh, you know, the one thing I guess I, I, I talk to my team is, is, you know, the biggest thing is, is you know, it's a battle out there. You know, it's not just a battle out on the ice. Mm-hmm. It's a battle internally. The NHL is a huge battle. And I, I'm using my word cautiously because what's going on around the world right now, but it is a battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't understand that, it's going to be hard to be successful because the battle in the locker room is for trying to move up the depth chart, you know, to try to, to get another contract. The internal battle that is important. And if you don't have internal battles, I don't think you grow as a team. And you can have those internal battles, you know, done in a very respectful way. But in just being a competitor and just competing. And if you do compete, you're going to make, you know, whether it's practice and stuff, you make your teammates better. And uh, I used to love to, if we had one-on-ones, I used to love, I wanted to go against Vinny all the time. You know, mm. I want to go against the best, you know. And, and uh on the ice, it's the same thing. It's a battle. And you might black block a shot. You might be tired. And and the league doesn't care how you feel. Hmm. The league is hard. It's hard to be successful in this league. They don't care if you're tired. You, you know, you, you, If you check out because you're tired, you're exposing your team. You're probably getting scored on. You know, If you block a shot, and, yeah, it hurts. But the league doesn't care that it hurts. You know, you got to keep playing as much as you can because it's a hard league. And... Uh, you know, so the battle piece is, 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 you know, it's something that I want my players to understand how hard it is to be successful with the NHL, not just your opponents you're playing with, but the inner battle in your locker room too. Hmm. Martin, when you took over, the Canadians had eight wins, 30 losses, and seven overtime or shootout defeats. Under you, they're 13, 12, and four. I wanted to ask you, what did you see? When you walked in there and you first got to take a look at the inside, what struck you about the group and the players? Well, I didn't have much time to, you know, I got the job, got announced and coached that night, you know. It's not like I had like two, three days to really feel what they were feeling. I didn't have time to worry about them so much. I just had to get ready to coach a game. And we went on and played Wash, and I thought we played a pretty good game. You know, but after the game, I could just, it just hit me after the game. You know, we lost. We outshot Wash, I think, like 40, 22, something like that, and lost 4 to 2, maybe. Was really happy with their effort, and they had lost another game, you know, which they did that a lot. And I could feel, you know, and I, and I talked to them after that game. I could feel the weight. And again, I, I to me, the most important day is the next day. So, you know, you can feel crappy about the result and everything, but you got to let it go once you go to bed. You got to wake up and go win the day, you know. So whether it's it's venting to, you know, I used to call my dad all the time after games and just to vent or talk to my wife. She didn't do nothing about hockey, but let all that negative energy out so that the next day you can win the day. And that's pretty much been our focus. Like, you're not going to win all the games. But I know where they were coming from because they did a lot of losing, and it's heavy. So I definitely felt the heaviness after that game. But, you know, we slowly turned around a little bit and got some some enthusiasm. You know, I think that was probably the most important thing for this team coming in is just bring some enthusiasm to the process. And I know it's easier when 
you're not playing for something, you know, there's less pressure. And I understand that. But uh, in anything you do in life to be successful, if enthusiasm is not part of it, it's going to be really hard to sustain success. Agreed. 100%. Well, whatever, whatever it is that you did, that you said, it really worked with Cole Caulfield. Do you have any explanation for this profound change, the success that Cole Caulfield has seen under your watch? Uh, you know, I listen, I've been part of coaches being fired. And whenever a new coach come in, it's just a, it's just a reset button. You know, and what gets heavy with guys that have been productive their whole life, as the season slips away, you know, you get behind productive-wise, you know, and that's heavy. I've had years where I wasn't happy with my production. You know, I couldn't wait for the playoffs to start because that's a reset button. Or I couldn't wait for the next year to start to hit the reset button. When you hit the reset button, your mind is in a better place because now you're starting from scratch again. So you don't have that heaviness of being behind, so to speak. You know, I think that's what Cole did. I think Cole just hit a reset button. Mm. I'm never going to teach Cole how to shoot a puck, you know. But, you know, I think what Cole's done here is just hit a reset button. Cole, what Cole has done here is because of Cole. Have I played him in a situation maybe that he wasn't played before? I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I didn't watch the Canadians closely. But he's so dynamic. He's a kind of players that you know you want to put on the ice for offensive situation and it's up to him yeah do, you know do i bring concept and allow my players to play and make plays yeah there's still some responsibilities you know you have to meet me halfway and i feel cole is working on that what cole has done this year is cole my job if i'm here next year is how do i get cole to the next level and it's not going to be teaching him how to score goals i have uh, two last questions the first one is do you have any rules like some coaches have rules, don't be late, certain kind of attire, things like that. Do you have any rules that you said, guys, this is non-negotiable and this is what you have yeah. to do? I do have some non-negotiables, but mostly on the ice right now. Like, you know, you, when change happens, you got to be careful to just change so many things. So I'm not sure of all the, the rules they have. I will look over them. In due time, if I'm here next year, I'll have, probably have my own, probably the same, maybe some different. But on ice, I have some non-negotiable, and they know about them. I'm just curious. Can you give us an example of maybe one uh, or two? No. There are a lot of things that require zero talent. Like broadcasting? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last question is this, Martin. You said if I'm back next year, you're coming back next year, right? You're coming back. That's definitely my intentions. Yeah, I mean, I... You're good at this. It's your calling. Well, I love hockey, Elliot. I know. I love hockey. I love helping people. I love being on a team. You know, and I know I'm not in the locker room the way I was as a player. But, you know, I have my own team with my assistant coaches and the video guys. It's fun. It's really fun. And like a player, you... You know, you obviously enjoy the win. You know, you don't feel as great with the loss, but it makes you dig. As a player, like if I didn't play well or whatever, like it made me work harder. It made me dig. I find myself I work much harder when I when I'm losing as a coach than when I'm winning. Because sometimes when you win, it's just you have that feeling that you know that we're okay. And sometimes they're just band aids. You know, when you actually need surgery, and so 
you need some of the losses to really to get you really get your team dialed in. You know, the the the, the small step backwards to take giant step forward. Like I really enjoy that as a staff to try to when you can't attack everything at once. And that's been really my focus here when I came in. We did things step by step. Because if you overcoach and overwhelm with information and stuff, like you you lose them. It's too confusing. So it's been a fun process and, and you know I love the fact that I find it easier coming in, you know, mid year and build because I feel like coming next year, you never start from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, there's concepts implemented. There's there's expectation. They they know what I'm like. You know, the stuff that are important to me, and, and vice versa. I I know I know my players, so I, I'm happy about that. You are always a uh, a thoughtful and talented player, Martin, and you are now a thoughtful and talented head coach. Uh, thanks so much for taking time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs Every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. All right, we really enjoyed that interview with Martin St. Louis. Uh, we thank him for his time. We thank uh, the Montreal Canadiens for making him available. Uh, our feature artist today is a two-piece art rock band from Toronto. The Darcys have released five studio albums over the last 12 years, including their 2012 record, Asia, as interpreted by the band, and it's very good. You know, the popular Steely Dan record. Following the success of their hit Running for the Hills, the guys are back with a new single. Here's the Darcy's with Washed Away on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Feeling toxic, but in a row, simple tone. 